Hello, Ron. How are you? Hey, it's Laura. How are you, Laura? I'm good. How are you? Good to finally at least get a chance to talk and connect with a real real human being. It is, I know. And we finally figured out with the adapter that I have to plug the microphone into the headphone slot yeah. and the headphone into the microphone slot. Oh, rather than the other way around? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of like the white goes on the white post and the red goes on the red post and the black goes on the black. But you, uh, you don't wire up electrical outlets, do you? <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> just want to know who makes these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. You know, it's funny. So you asked me where we, you know, the whole connection, you and I actually have a common history from back in Lorimar, back in the Lorimar telepictures. Thing. Exactly. Where, where did you work? That's what I was trying to remember. Well, I didn't work directly for Lorimar. Lorimar used to be located at the old MGM, MGM yes. facility at Culver City. And I used to go in there on pitch sessions. I was actually off premise off of uh, Sawtell which I guess would be on the border of Culver City, West mm-hmm. LA. And I don't even remember the names of people. But anyway, my relationship with Lorimar was I used to work directly under contract basis with Ken Page, who was the president of Lorimar. Oh, of course. Sure. So I was bringing in projects as at the time I was bringing in a couple of uh, development deals with, wow, Marvel Studios. In, oh, in no. Animation. I would love to work for them. Well, They're one a- of our favorite studios ever. Well, that was a long time ago. You know, it was still when, um, oh gosh, Margaret Lesh was at the helm as a, mm-hmm. as the president of Marvel. And I was bringing in projects from at the time around the world. And some of them were actually getting some connectivity and again, in, in animation. Wow. This is the early eighties. And mm-hmm. what happened is that there was going to be a spinoff under the license rights for live action as well. So I had met with Ken on a referral from hmm, Jack Bryant, who at the time was in Orion syndicated television, if you remember Orion. Cagney and Lacey, yes. Yeah. So anyway, I was doing direct response television spots and putting out the media. And Jack and I at Orion were working on a show called The 20 Minute Workout. And we were putting in direct response products for women's aerobic fitness gear into Mm -hmm. the television show that at the time the host was Bess Mata. And Bess was known for her role with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Terminator movies. And so Jack and I were putting her spots or the spots for the products into the show, which was 20 minute workout. And then all of a sudden I started getting these development deals uh, at the same time I was working in cartoons and animation. Mm -hmm. And one of the couple of the clients that were coming in through the animation company said, you know, we've, we've got these rights here to the show. And I was telling Jack about this at Orion. He says, you know, you're going to need some firepower for this. You really need to go talk to our collaborative parent company Mm -hmm. over here at Lorimar. And you need to talk to Ken Page. So the next thing I know, I was meeting with Ken Page over in, actually in Cannes at MIP. Sure. And one thing led to the next and turned into a live action development deal and an acquisition with Lorimar. And then, of course, Marvel took the animation. But I had this ongoing dialogue and a a working relationship with Ken. And then later, just to kind of bring this up to speed, I had a relationship directly with Danny Simon. And Mm -hmm. I still have known Danny for, gosh, 30 years now, 40 years Danny Simon was responsible for licensing at Lorimar, and he worked with uh, another person, Pamela Harris, who mm-hmm. also has wow, stel- old names. <laughs> yeah, old names, stellar histories and licensing of brands. And, and they had a promotion going on. What was it? They were doing all the merchandising of the Lorimar properties. And when mm-hmm. I met them, I don't know, we got into a conversation around Gumby that they were merchant- <laughs> merching at the time. 
And so we did a promotion worldwide for Gumby together. And, you know, Danny and I later got involved with his Rambo properties for Carol Co. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we used to have these common threads about leading right back to talking with Ken Page because he worked directly under Ken Page as well. Of course. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, that was the whole corridor there between my Lorimar connectivity and I guess how we all kind of knew each other. Oh, that's so funny. All those circles, we still find that the first people we worked with are still the same people that we work with down the road. Somebody you met years ago and now all of a sudden they're at the crux of whatever project you want to put together. You know, it's I so much fun. Yeah, it is. You know, I was just on the horn with uh, somebody last night, said the same thing. You know, we keep going to these. Well, COVID has changed everything in terms of the nature of whether you're going to Berlin or going to Cannes or all of these trade shows. But, you know, by the time we've been doing this for a while, we kind of really already know where the people are that we already have these lifelong relationships with. And absolutely, do. we j just kind of keep trying to find new things to do together. Well, we started out in the industry. I, when I was growing up, I really loved Little House of the Prairie. I really, really wanted to meet Michael Landon. So my brilliant mother, who is now my writing partner, just felt to send a letter to him. We sent a letter, nothing happens. So we sent him another letter and we found out that Merlin Olson, who was playing Jonathan Garvey at the time, this was like 1979, I think, found out that he was going to be at a local church. We went to one church, but he was at the church down the street. So of course you don't know anybody. If it was our church, we could have said, oh, we'll engineer a meeting. Well, what happened was it was Garden Grove Community Church. Do you remember Robert Schuler years ago? He used to do the drive-in churches in Garden Grove. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you were, you were an Orange County kid? Yeah, I grew up. Yeah, I grew up in, I uh, was born in Chicago and I grew up in the city of Orange. Oh, that's which so funny. I absolutely love. I was one town over from you. I never admitted to anybody, but I grew up in Anaheim. <laughs> uh -huh. I went to school in Anaheim. <laughs> oh, geez. So there <laughs> you go. Hysterical. More, more concentric circles. There you exactly. go. Exactly. But anyway, so we found out Merlin was going to be there. My mom writes the letter. I was all of, I think, 15 years old. We went there, we went to the church, went to the luncheon, and of course he had already left the luncheon and then he was going to go speak into the huge sanctuary. And this church was huge at the time. We walked in there and my mom was walking in and she tripped over something really hard and she looked down, it was this enormous boot. It was Merlin Olson. <laughs> and she doesn't know if that had been me, I would have been at the other end of the sanctuary. You would not have found me for 15 minutes. She stands there and takes the letter out of her purse and says, excuse me, Merlin, I'm so glad I saw you. Can you give this to Michael for me? Within a month, we were on the set of Little House on the Prairie. But when we were, it was at the old MGM studios, had just moved to MGM. So when we were leaving, we just, we had such a wonderful day. And we just knew down deep that this was what we were supposed to be doing. We had no idea we'd be writing anything. But together we said, we're going to be back only this time. We're going to be working here. Just a few years later, we got jobs on Miller Boyette's Valerie and Perfect Strangers. And Valerie turned into the Hogan family at wow. that lot, right on the lot. Mm, yeah. You see, I guess if you wish for something, I used to work for uh, with Jerry Smith, who did the below the line fulfillment for Bill Hanna at Hanna-Barbera. And oh, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of cartoons. And Jerry used to always tell me, be careful what you wish for. You'll probably get it. Absolutely. If people live their lives that way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> much better lives. Just yeah. assume you're going to get it. You know, just yeah. go out there and work for it. You're going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I used to tell students, if you bang on any door loud enough, certainly somebody on the other side of the door is going to open it up and say, who the hell keeps knocking on the door? You know, get in here. We had yeah. a friend who wrote a script and it didn't do the show didn't do well. Nothing else went well. And it was just I think it was a spec script. Something like two years later, somebody moved into that production company at Universal, opened up a drawer, found his script and hired him to write. Wow. Well, you never know. You never even it's... heard back from the other show. 
Well, you know, it's funny. It's like we, we spend so much time and energy focusing a, like a laser on certain things or a project or a premise or that which we want to do and pitch. And then you never mm -hmm. know how your idea is going to actually fit in to kick the idea for somebody else into exactly. what they think is the thing that should be done. And then they come back to you and say, well, that doesn't work, but this does. And then the next thing you know, you're on to the next whatever the next wavelength is. It's so true. You don't know what somebody else out there wants, but somebody desperately wants what you have. They and want that material. They need and, it. And hopefully if they like what you did, then they'll call you back as compared to going, thanks for the idea. And then you never hear exactly. from that person yeah. again. Yeah. <clears throat> so I would try not to pitch ideas as much as we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunately, well. it, unfortunately, it can be a little bit, shall we say, unscrupulous. But uh, I Much guess better lately. I think the last few years have gotten a lot better. I would hope so. Maybe it's hope. just the industry, the unions. I think people are getting so scared of stealing something that they just don't. Yeah. Well, that's probably a good thing. I hope so, so. Yeah. So let's get into your wonderful world of what you're Absolutely. doing today. Now, you've already mentioned that, you know, with me today, folks, is Laura Greenwald, who, along with Janet Greenwald, her mother, Jan and Laura, are one of the only mother and daughter writing teams in the industry. Now, they've written without consent, uh, which I guess is a, a, a motion picture. Based on my grandmother's story, yes. Yeah, based upon the circumstances surrounding the unfortunate and untimely death of Jan's mother, Elaine Sullivan. And that has propelled both of you as a duo into the world of healthcare and politics. And, you know, obviously you you fought to enact the life-saving next-of-kin healthcare laws in both California and Illinois. And that's great because uh, the outcome of this is that three healthcare laws in two states um, have actually now been implemented and probably because of your efforts, right? Absolutely. They have been. Well, and then we also had found out later that there was so much more that we could do besides the law because laws only go so far. Mm, yeah. Well, it's kind of like now we're dealing with COVID and finally the corporations are getting involved because there's only so much government can do. Now, if people start listening to their bosses, like at uh, Honeywell and you know Target and these other corporations, you know, it's a simple thing. They say, you come to work, you wear a mask. If you don't, you don't come to work. And uh, exactly. It's so know, simple. And and government can only do so much. So uh, laws only work so effectively. And we do know that, well, there's a handful of people that like to break laws anyway. They don't care. Mm -hmm. so. Anyway, let's get into your get your stuff together and get your stuff together.com because you have a couple of books. And actually, I've gone to get your stuff together.com. Loads of fun. And you've got lots of books. I mean, you don't just have a couple. You have been at this. And a lot of these are just kind of tools for living, as I will call them, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's get into it because I know we're going to talk about your one book, Top Tech Toys, which is really cool because <laughs> everybody loves to play with tech toys. And I think we're going to kind of get into this with you in terms of what it is and what's current and what's hip and what's exactly. hot. And then you have the other book that we'll touch on first. But let's get into, um, for the fun of it, let's get into uh, Top Tech Toys. So what is Top Tech Toys? Top Tech Toys is one of our most popular books. Everyone, like you said, loves toys. And thanks for the intro. You're absolutely right. And our books have helped 1.3 million people keep all the things they love, the people they love, and the information they need safe and sound no matter what's going on around them. A couple of years ago, that might have meant tornadoes and earthquakes, as us Californians know. But also this year, we found out how important it is just to have our own basic information with us, um, with so many people with COVID, like we'll get into later, uh, ending up in the hospital unexpectedly, it really helps to have all that information with you. 
And what we do is we give people the quick and easy tools and strategies that they need to back up things like their photos, the photos off their phones, the photos off their frames, off their walls, videos, their beloved keepsakes, even their vinyl record albums, which I know is something that you're going to love. And how to make them safe, how to make them emergency proof, how to make them loss proof, just how to keep all those things that are so important to you in your life. You don't want them to go missing someplace, no matter what's happening around you. You want to make sure that you have them backed up to several several different places. But what Top Tech Toys does is there are a lot of people that are just too busy or just not that hands-on. They don't really want to go out there and get all the strategies we may have in our books to pin things down and button things up safely themselves. So instead, they'd love to have a bunch of toys to help them do it. And our top tech toys includes over 75 high tech toys that do most of the work for you. So you can just sit down and read a magazine or play with your dog while these toys are buttoning up everything for you. Wow. So we're really kind of escalated well beyond the days of just a microwave burrito here to get a meal in 15 seconds. You are talking about, are you talking about robotics that are just literally running around from vacuuming to like the Jetsons and Rosie comes on in and uh, says, what do you need? Everything from toast flying out, I'll double your tie and get you out the door. What kind of cutting edge products does it feature? Well, I really wish we did have Rosie in places like that. What I always wanted to do was to fold my car up into a briefcase and take it with me so you don't have to park. That would be awesome. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jetsons isn't quite here yet. But uh, we've got one thing I was just mentioning a minute ago about your vinyl albums. We found a stereo that can actually turn your favorite old vinyl albums into a smartphone-ready MP3. Any of the albums you have today with all the pops and creaks and things like that that you love so much, we found an audio Bluetooth turntable that actually can turn those into MP3s that tomorrow afternoon you can be listening to your favorite vinyl albums in your car as you're cruising down the 405. So it's an MP3 converter that's built into a regular rotational turntable? Right into a turntable. So you just turn it on, you turn on record, and it saves them all for you either to your computer or to your phone. Well, you mentioned an interesting thing about the clicks and the pops and the scratches. If they're in the vinyl, does this have some kind of a magic software that's actually a click pop remover as well? I don't think so. I think it just basically just records. We okay. haven't had any clicking and popping albums that we recorded, but it will record your songs just as they play. So it probably will have all the cool clicks and pops. And I know people usually like them, but you can just have them with you wherever you are. And again, if something happens to the album, let's say down the road, it warps a little bit, or you use it so much, you literally wear it out. You're going to have a copy of that someplace else so you can still enjoy it. Well, that's good because vinyl is certainly making a comeback. Now, vinyl sales have actually been increasing this year up and over. It's almost eclipsing, matching up to digital downloads. And it certainly surpassed anything in the way of CD disc media, which has already kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Exactly, exactly. And we also have tools in there that will back up your CDs and even back up your cassettes, believe it or not. There's something that actually looks like a, a Walkman. A I know we may have a, to explain a, that to a, our audience. A cassette? Did you use the word cassette? Wait I a minute. I, I have to go back and think about what that means. I think I'll have to look that up in the library. <laughs> hmm, do they still have those? I don't I know. I think they do. I don't know. So you may what, have to get a pencil out to rewind your cassette. Yeah, or use a pencil sharpener. Oh, so, yeah. So let's get into the other kinds of cutting edge products those top tech toys get into. Uh, one I really love that's just so great now with COVID is it's a box that not only sanitizes a full day worth of crud off your smartphone, but you can also stick anything else in it, like your keys or your sunglasses or your remotes. 
And with UV, it actually sanitizes whatever little items you have that you throw into it. Huh, do they make one big enough for people to crawl into? Not yet. Although I don't know, UCLA, they might have one. Yeah, that would be good. So is it worrisome in terms of metallic things or does it matter no. what the material is that you throw in there? I mean, it you know, I, I think of a microwave and if you throw anything <laughs> metal in there, you know, it's going to turn into you know, the old. Yeah, it would be bad. It was like the old joke was the woman. She washed her dog, the toy poodle, and then put the poodle in the microwave to dry oh. it out. I, it was a sorry, bad old joke, but OK, I oh, guess that's it was, horrible. I guess it was a true story. So. <laughs> It would people have probably done everything. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, with the UV sanitizer, it just has a UV light on the top of it, and it's a box that you can sanitize anything with. But what's great about that is it even gets things like your remote controls. You know how all the dust and all the crumbs from all the things you're eating while you're doing TV are down there. Yeah. And it just gets all of that, any bacteria is off of it. It's even good for regular flu season, or if you have somebody in your house that's not feeling well, you can just sanitize everything off of that. I think it's something like 90 seconds to three minutes. It's not a long time. Put a baby's pacifier into it, anything. I think, you know, when we get beyond the pandemic and beyond COVID, I think we're going to be so hypersensitive to making sure everything is sanitized and sterile. God knows what this world is going to be, but we'll probably be running around sanitizing everything in the post-social oh, post behaviors, you know. Well, did you see the paper the other day? It actually said that flu is almost nil this year just because we're taking so many precautions. That's a good thing. Maybe we should have been more aware in the first place. Um, what else have we got in the top tech toys, other cutting edge products? What else is uh, really kind of monumentally, absolutely cool? Well, what I really love the idea of is I love something, and this is not a high tech toy, but it's called the Banji's pocket wrist wallet that you actually can put anything into. So you can put your ID into it. You can put a Starbucks card, a couple of bucks, a phone, and you can go out running. And you can just strap it right to your wrist and then just go out running. But you can tuck things into it like your ID. We really are a big, big advocate of in case of emergency contacts, ice contacts. You can make sure your ID is with you. You can make sure ice contacts are with you. You can make sure your Starbucks card is there for the trip home. A couple of bucks, your keys. And then you're not having to put it in a pocket, which could easily fall out while you're running or jogging. Is this kind of like a glorified wristband that has like a zippered pocket? A little zipper pocket. They do it a lot of different ways, but the one I like has the zipper pocket in it. So you just tuck anything you need right in there. Okay. And if somebody happens to not feel good on the trail or something happens, somebody could easily just open up the zipper, find out who we are. So your book also gets into strategies of some sort, shall we say, contemporary strategies for living. So what kind of strategies does the top tech toys get into advising on? Well, what we've done is we've taken seven of our favorite articles from our blog and also from our books. Uh, one thing that we love, I think the one that's the most fun is how to earthquake proof your bedroom. And as an Angelino, you know that earthquakes for some silly reason usually happen at three o'clock in the morning. Okay. I, the larger ones. I have an earthquake story. So there I was in the very place I was telling you about on the border of Culver City, West Los Angeles uh -huh. area. And we had that earthquake which you could wake up in the morning, which I did at 630 in the morning, and the air was hot, it was dry, it was dank, and just had this creepy, weird feeling to it. You just yeah. have to kind of know. And it felt like, the only thing I could say intuitively is it felt like earthquake weather, whatever that, whatever that means, okay? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, not even about two minutes later, 
the room just starts rocking and reeling, whatever. And it was odd because the night before I had a 55 gallon fish tank and the fish were swimming very erratically mm -hmm. the night before. And they say that animals can perceive these things long before humans actually get the physical activity of what's going on. But the bottom line is that I ran into the living room. And again, I was so worried about that dog on fish tank. I was like holding it, bracing it. It was reeling and rocking on its stand. <laughs> no. and I was not in the mood to lose a 55 gallon tank of water no. with living creatures all over my living room floor. <laughs> so I'm bracing it and standing there and holding it. Meanwhile, I'm going, no, hey, I'm supposed to go stand in the doorway. Well, no, can't be in two places at once. <laughs> anyway, so I got it, everything calmed down and it was fine. It finally moved into about 9.15, 9.30 in the morning. And I don't know why, but I had a call to make to call over to the American new office of what was SEP Animation. Now, SEP had brought us the Smurfs, had brought us eventually mm -hmm. Snorks and Foofer, and they partnered <laughs> up a lot with Hanna-Barbera. And I could never get through to the president, Freddie Munnikendam, who is from Brussels and had now moved into Los Angeles with a brand new office. Son of a gun, I called. And he picked up the phone and boom, we were on the phone for 45 minutes. He'd never been in an earthquake before. Oh, he, was, he was like, what is it? What is it? <laughs> and boy, he was like all over talking with me. And then finally, we wrapped up the conversation after we appeased his worries. He says, OK, fine. That's great. What have you got? And can you come on in here and let's talk on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> Only in Hollywood. That's well, a great story. Well, I mean, because he had been so freaked out over this earthquake, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you oh, rattle funny. people to their emotional core and you can really get through to people that are willing to open up doors to you on a much more human level. They are. <laughs> anyway, so earthquaking strategies here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but I had to share oh, that. No, that's a great story. Well, this actually came from a friend of ours, Melanie Wilson, who worked on Perfect Strangers. She played Marianne. I don't know if you remember her at all, tall blonde. Oh, yeah. And she actually is Dick Wilson's daughter, who was the Charmin Man. Do you remember the guy with the dark glasses and the short hair? Yeah, okay, right. That was his daughter. She worked on Perfect Strangers with me. And we had had an earthquake while we were on Perfect Strangers, and she happened to be driving us to work the next day. We were practically neighbors. And she said, it's the craziest thing. This earthquake started. And she grew up in Southern California, so she should have known better. But she said, I'm thinking, I knew I should have done something. Like you're saying, should I duck into the doorway? Do I do this? And she said, oh, my God, where are my earthquake clothes? <laughs> As only an actress could. And we thought, you know what? It's so true. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in Southern California or whether you've never experienced an earthquake. The one place where it usually happens is your bedroom. And that's the one place nobody has anything. I mean, you don't have your whistle, you don't have your tennis shoes, anything that you might need right there in your bedroom with you, at least not in a place where you can find it immediately. So we came up with some strategies that we outline in the article, just basically what you need. We have, you know, stick a, get one big box, one big container and stick a can opener in there. Uh, if you can have a refrigerator in your bedroom, what if you can't get out and you need something to drink quickly? Uh, there are people that have diabetes and they need insulin. Just anything that you might need, put into a refrigerator. Have a whistle. Sometimes it really helps people locate other people. Have at the end of the closet to satisfy Melanie, we have earthquake clothes. So you can figure out depending on what time of the year it is, maybe a sweatshirt and jeans, thick soled shoes, anything that you might need if you have to run out of the house.
You know, this reminds me, my father for a while was living with my brother in Palm Springs when they mm -hmm. had the earthquake and it was mm -hmm. like early morning and they both ran out of the house and there it was, you know, there was my brother and nothing literally but a, uh, a sheet that he had wrapped around him and he forgot. <laughs> exactly. He goes running out of the house with a sheet flying in the air and he's got his his birthday suit exposed to everybody <laughs> under the sun and then he kind of goes oops and he goes yeah but you're right i mean some people when it happens you're panicked and you're out the door you're thinking about more important things but if those things are right there at your fingertips which is basically what all the get your stuff together books are about and all the strategies that they give you is you're not going to think clearly in that moment you're not going to know what to do so at least have it close enough to you whether it's your photos backed up just in case a hard drive goes wacky or whether it's your earthquake clothes in your closet, you actually have that close to you. So you don't really have to think about it right then. You can think about more important things like gathering the kids and the dogs. And then in a few minutes, you can figure out how big the earthquake was. So when Elizabeth Hutton comes on, you'll know exactly what it is. Yeah. Kate well, Hutton, I, that's who it is. A logical explanation to defend why you were as panicked as you were. Exactly. So, so it was a 4.3. <laughs> yeah, I was allowed to be See, crazy. I'm allowed to be so-and-so. <laughs> Absolutely. So now let's get into the Get Your Stuff Together COVID-19 edition, because I know you both are very prolific and you keep writing and writing and you keep staying very up to date with whatever our next adaptation is. What is Get Your Stuff Together COVID-19 edition? This one came out of a very personal fact. You were talking earlier about my grandma, Elaine Sullivan. And grandma, it was the juxtaposition of two medical visits that she had is just amazing. And I'm glad we could make something good come out of it because at the time there was nothing good about it. But um, mom and I were in Los Angeles and working and she was back in Chicago. Uh, we originally came from Chicago. And then like I was telling you, I moved to Orange County when we were about 10 years old and I basically grew up in California. So mom and I were riding out there. We were working with Laura Mar and a couple of other studios, Universal Warners. And uh, we would talk to her every couple of days, but she was supposed to be on vacation and we hadn't heard from her, but that was all right because we knew she was on vacation. Several years before something similar happened where we hadn't heard from her for a couple of days and we were on the phone and we got a hold of her landlord. She was living in an apartment at the time and uh, we found out that she hadn't been feeling well, but she was taken to the hospital after a mild stroke. But we found out later it wasn't really a mild stroke. She was in a coma for two days. And we, being in Los Angeles, it was just a crazy time of year. It was right around Easter weekend. We could not get an airplane out. And we knew we weren't gonna make it right away. And grandma is one person who really needed to have people behind her. She needed to know that we were there. We were praying for her, thinking about her. So we talked to the nurse and we said, you know, we're not going to get out until this amount of time, so many hours. Please, can you just bring a phone up to her ear? At least let us talk to her. And finally, you know, they have to go through all their things. And yes, okay, finally, we'll drag a phone over just for you because you're the family. Fine. And got her on the phone and she said, okay, the phone's up to her ear. And we were telling her that we loved her and that we were coming. We were on our way. We knew what had happened. She was strong and she was going to be fine. We just over and over again said, you are going to be just fine. Got on an airplane, got there. Right after we talked to her, she opened her eyes and the nurse even called us back. I can't believe this. I, you know, honestly, I didn't think this would happen, but she opened her eyes and she's looking around. She was looking around for us. She heard our voices. A few hours later, we're in Chicago. She made a miraculous recovery. She was fine. But as I was saying, we got back to this Easter weekend and we hadn't heard from her. And lo and behold, we get this call from the hospital that she had had a fall, she had hit her head. Uh, she was getting ready actually to go on vacation. She was taking a bath before she left 
and she hit the side of her head and she hit her mouth and she was wearing dentures. So she broke her dentures and she wasn't able to speak. Take her to the hospital and they said, well, she should be all right. We come to find out on the next call that she had actually been there for six and a half days that she was starting to go into intensive care and into critical condition because of the infection that they hadn't seen. And they would not, no matter what we did, they would not bring the phone to her. It was a Catholic hospital. And I only say that because you think that there would be nuns and priests running around and God bless our Catholic hospitals. We've used them, they're wonderful. For whatever reason, this hospital was not having any and they wouldn't take the phone to her. So we're praying for her, we're trying to get the first flight out. We got a flight for the next day. Six o'clock in the morning, the phone rings and my mom woke up and she said, oh my God, she's gone. She oh, just knew man. it. Oh, and we, we got to the phone and they told us that she had passed away. We never got to talk to her. She never knew that we were there for six and a half days. She died alone. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank so, uh, oh. And a few hours later, the social worker at the hospital called and she said to my mom, oh, can we talk now? Um, let's see, I haven't checked on your mom yet, but maybe we can bring something else so we can talk to her today. So, two different situations, two very different outcomes. I guess so. Um, when this happened this past year with COVID, I mean, we went into, we, like you said, uh, we found out that it was not against the law not to call somebody's next of kin, either in California or Illinois. It was suggested as a best practice. And if you're in corporations, you know what that means. It's something that if they had the time to do, they'll do. I love our nurses. I love our doctors. They do an incredibly difficult job, but it was coming down to the point where if they had to do something to save a patient's life, they're going to try to save the life first, which I completely understand. But in grandma's case, had they talked to us, they would have known that she was on the drug Kaylin. They mm. gave her digoxin, which interacts with it very badly. One oh, phone call, they would have saved her life. The same thing happened to uh, my father with Leviquin and oh, contraindication okay. to one of the drugs he was on for Parkinson's and everything else. And, you know, it's, it's just a shame when one hand isn't talking to the other hand and the outcome is loss of a loved one. It's, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's an awful situation. So when we heard about COVID this last year, I got one tweet very early on in the pandemic and somebody was saying basically the same story. They were saying they took away their loved one and put them in the hospital. They're in this ICU unit. They could not talk to anybody. They didn't even basically, this was at the time when you couldn't even walk in any place to even talk to somebody who might be in the hospital or around the hospital. And he said he lost his father and he'll never talk to him again. And it was just a tweet. And I thought, oh my God, this is happening again. And we do get letters from people, a couple of letters a year telling us, you know, either the law has helped or my parent died in the same situation. So we knew it was happening, but all of a sudden with that pandemic, it was happening hundred times a day, a thousand a times a day. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And we just thought, and we were doing a lot of other things at the time. We thought we've got to stop and we've got to retool our book for COVID-19 because this is exactly what's happening. We have the tools. I'm not saying it would help in every single circumstance because these doctors and nurses are falling over. They're exhausted. But we try to make it easy for them to have the information they need to keep the family up to date on what's happening with that patient, even though they can't physically be with them. Great. Good. And I'm sure with just the, you know, 500,000 families with loss and 500,000 passings, that's an awful lot of medical staff that 
if they could be communicating with family, it would be great, but I'm sure exactly. there, there's just, it's overwhelm. It's and they just, can't always do it. They absolutely sure, can't always sure. do it. But we heard a lot from uh, doctors and nurses around us. Uh, we're in Chicago right now. We heard a lot from doctors and nurses where they couldn't find the family's information fast enough. They had that extra five minutes. They took the time and they don't know who John Jones' son is. They mm. don't know who to call or they have 15 numbers. They don't know which one to call. And when they're that busy, they're going to go on to the next person. I see. So the COVID-19 edition of Get Your Stuff Together really does focus on these tools that can help the coronavirus patients and their families. But I, I would guess also the medical staff. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Because there still are, like you were saying, contraindications between Levaquin and another medication. These patients come in and yes, they're treating COVID. They also have a medical history. They may not know that. You know, They can tell somebody's diabetic, but they may not be able to tell, like you said, they have Parkinson's. What if they're unconscious? They don't necessarily know that they had a surgery last week and have a small bit of infection left. They aren't necessarily going to know who their physician, their regular physician is. They're not even going to go to the same hospital. Look mm -hmm. what was happening in California with, what, 12,000 people a day? Yeah. There's no way they're going to end up at UCLA when they usually go to USC. You know yeah. that. Yeah. So you it, know, it fills know, in that gap. Yeah. You know, sooner or later, this is like a war zone. And what comes to mind was MASH which actually yes. tried to make a dramatic but light and comedic approach to looking at how bad a Korean war was. But, you know, in, in this kind of a thing, there's really not a whole lot of humor in being able to find a, a medical staff that really needs to go through this on a nonstop basis. You know, exactly. um, what about patients who are, let's say, hospitalized for other reasons? Perhaps something is, I don't want to say simple as, but women in labor. I mean, women have been going to hospital with for childbirth for a long, long time, but especially given the circumstances of hospitals being flooded. I'm reminded of my brother who needed a neck surgery, but because it, it was like he was in pain, he needed to have vertebrae readjusted. But because of COVID, they called his surgery, quote unquote, elective. So exactly. he was thrown way to the back of the line and couldn't get it done, even though his doctors were saying, you got to get it done now. So what about for these kind of circumstances? Does the book help them too? The book helps them tremendously. It doesn't matter whether somebody has COVID or not. If they're in the hospital, let's say a woman in labor, which is the perfect example, they're not necessarily going to have their partner with them. We've known a lot of women who've gone to the hospital in labor and been in labor for like 16 hours. When labor is finally almost over and the baby's about ready to arrive, they call dad and he comes up and he can come in for maybe two hours, an hour before, an hour later, be with the new baby and his wife, make sure everything's okay. And he's got to go. If there's a complication between there, like we were saying, somebody may not know what medication somebody's on or that they're allergic to something as silly as silver or they're allergic to a certain antibiotic, they won't necessarily have that information. So it really is important, even for somebody in elective surgery, or let's just say who's hospitalized for a cancer treatment, just something where they're going to be in the hospital, they're not going to have that advocate. I was advocating for my own mom when she was in the hospital last year after an accident. You know, I was, I literally, we tell people, uh, people ask us, you know, what should I do if a family member's hospitalized? We kiddingly, sort of kiddingly say, pitch a tent and don't move for the entire time that they're there. I literally laid on the couch when she was there and she laid on the couch when I was in the hospital. You're there to be an advocate. So that person doesn't always have to be their own advocate. They could be unconscious after surgery. They could just not be thinking about something. What our tools do is one of the things that we have people fill out is called Information Central. It's a page that puts all of the information that somebody could need. It has their uh, what they're allergic to. It has any very important medical history, the names of their top two contacts, and then things like uh, social media addresses, Facebook, 
and so the uh, nurse can facilitate FaceTiming if he or she needs to. It has everything right there. And we're telling people, get a piece of tape and stick that thing right to the headboard. So if a nurse comes in, they're going to see that information, whether it's somebody who's going to be a new mom, somebody having their appendix out, or somebody with COVID, the nurses and doctors aren't going to have to look for it. They're going to look right there. And it's right inside our book. It's also a free download. So you can adjust it for yourself. You can fill out and customize it any way you want to and send it to the hospital with your loved one. Very, very, very cool. This is like readiness on steroids. That's, it is. It's wonderful. And we need it now, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, this is wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to actually put so many tools for living together as resources for all of us. Again, with me today, folks, is Laura Greenwald, who is the daughter of Jan Greenwald, Janet Greenwald and Laura Greenwald together, the only mother-daughter writing teams in the entertainment industry. And again, they have written through a variety of network sitcoms at MGM, Warner Brothers, currently developing their own original movies and television series through their production company, Lion and the Rock Entertainment. But again, these tools for living, getyourstufftogether.com. Laura, if people want to reach out to you directly or get more information, what do you recommend as far as contacting you? We have an email address right there on getyourstufftogether.com. Uh, top tech toys that we were talking about. I didn't mention it is free. It's a free download that we're doing. We've done that with our cool tools several years in a row. And this year, because of the pandemic, we had nothing better to do at the time. So we retooled the whole book and it's uh, absolutely free. It's available via download. Actually, it's on our homepage of getyourstufftogether.com right now. It's also on the top tech toys tab. And the COVID-19 book is on the COVID-19 coronavirus tab right on getyourstufftogether.com. Uh, we also have that. I forgot to mention that it's via ebook download. So if somebody needs it right away, we've done a special download for $5.50 where you can instantly download that book and have it right in your hands if you need it. Hopefully you won't need it, but if you do, it's there. And we also have that one in print. Wonderful. Just a resource of living tools right now. Laura Greenwald, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank it's been you, fun Ron. to catch up with you and plug in on our mutual experiences. And thanks so much for sharing Absolutely all fun. of your gifts with humanity. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks, Ron, for everything you do, too. What a great podcast. Well, we're on it. We're doing what we can, right? <laughs> thank you so much. We'll, we'll catch up later on down the line. Okay, thanks, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.